Hello and welcome to The Joe Mobley Show. I'm your host, Joe Mobley, and you're listening to the only place in cyberspace where we talk about being conservative. We hit on current events, the politically correct cancel culture, and problems with civil discourse. But most importantly, we discuss what you can do to come out of the conservative closet. The Joe Mobley Show is a new and exciting podcast that airs weekly on Monday mornings. We have a range of controversial topics on deck. Even so, it's important that we hear from you what matters most. Be sure to send questions, comments, and things you'd like to hear discussed to ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. That's ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. To make sure you stay informed on the latest content, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show, the uncloseted conservative home base. I am Joe Mobley, your host, of course, and today we have a veteran uh, who does need to refresh his ability to pick branches. I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, but an author of an awesome book that we're going to talk into, but most importantly, a patriot. We have Peter Sarah. Uh, I'm messing it up, Peter. You just told me, not Seraphine. Seraphine? Seraphine. Seraphine. Peter Seraphine. Let's just pretend I said it right the first time. Peter, sure. how are you? Edit, edit that out. It'll be fine. <laughs> so I didn't tell you before, I do a straight, I don't edit. I don't either. I'm I'm super low. Te- the, the listeners are going to listen to this right now. And this tells you guys. I don't edit. I got three small kids, fourth on the way. I don't have time to edit. So uh, we do fast and dirty here on the Joe Mobley show. And yeah, I like, okay. I drop in a bumper. There'll be a bumper that I drop in guys. I just started doing the bumper. I can see you haters now. Oh, you said you don't edit. I drop a six second intro into the show. When we get off, I'll teach you how you can incorporate incorporate that right in so that it's there when you record. You don't have to go back and edit afterwards. Hey, I'll you can send me a bill and I'll (laughs) (laughs) So Peter, how are you, sir? Fantastic. How are you, sir? I am blessed and am feeling pretty good, especially given that I thought that you were interviewing me tonight. Uh because I'm a terrible millennial, and and as Joe Biden, you know, to his surprise, I know how to use the internet, but not super well. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> getting a grasp on that. So we're just gonna dive in. Things are crazy. You know it. I know it. What do you think is the chief thing? The the chief problem facing America and Americans right now. I'm super curious what your thoughts are. This week? Listen to your show. Yeah, exactly. I've listened this to your week. show and we are preaching the same gospel, bro. <laughs> this week, right now, the chief attack is is that on our First Amendment. The Okay. Facebook, Twitter, social media companies, they are all private companies. They can do as they wish, whatever. But when the president, the White House press secretary, and the Surgeon General are all instructing social media companies to censor what they call misinformation, that is a violation of the First Amendment. That is a violation of your free speech because that is the government telling somebody to do it. If Facebook wants to do it on their own, okay, Facebook sucks, whatever. 
But when it's, when the government starts telling them to do it, it is a clear violation of the First Amendment and absolutely must be put to a stop. That actually, that's going to be the entire hour of my show this week. Is is those blatant attacks to the First Amendment? We are cut from the same cloth, my friend. After this interview, you know what I got to spend tonight doing? Editing my video that I was supposed to get out to YouTube today. It's probably going to release overnight or tomorrow. And I think the title I went with is uh, Freedom of Speech is Dead. <laughs> it's it's those clips. There's two famous clips now, back-to-back days of Jen Psaki and then, of course, the Surgeon General. But I'm sure that you've heard this. Some listeners probably haven't. But Mussolini, who knows a thing or two about fascism, guys, famous dictator, Il Duce. Said, said that it should more appropriately be called corporatism as it's the marriage, the merger, the bringing together of the state, the government, and the private sector businesses. And when they're just in cahoots, just the government and private sector, because the Supreme Court, everyone likes to talk about settled law. The Supreme Court has been clear 10 out of 10 cases every time that the freedom of speech issue and the way that it's protected is very strict. The government can't do it. And it also says that the government can't order companies to do it because that's the same. Right. Until now. And I, dude... I listened to those interviews because they were blowing up the internet. And I was just like, there's no way that she's saying this in plain English for all to hear. And, you know, great job. Uh, what's his name? Ducey? Is it Peter Ducey from yeah, Fox? Yeah, Peter Ducey, yep. Good. Not, for how long have you been spying on Americans? Because that's what you said. And Data then she, mining our stuff. For and she, like, skirts the question and doesn't answer. Yeah. She does that with almost all of the questions Peter Ducey asks her. <laughs> but okay, so that was that was Mussolini's uh, description of fascism that you gave. Reagan's Ronald Reagan, you know, President Ronald Reagan. His description of fascism was was uh, corporate. It was was business being privately owned, but but run and regulated by the government. Well, let's see. We've got, what, 40 regulatory agencies within our federal government that dictate and regulate every aspect of every business in our country? We're getting there already. It's every time there's a new industry, there's a new government agency that crops up to regulate it. Exactly. And, you know, there it's real simple, guys. I've just talked to my father-in-law about this. It's really simple. The market can regulate itself. There's an elevator company, and there aren't all these regulations, and Billy Bob's elevators operate fine, and Joe's elevator shack, his elevators fall out of the sky, they just plummet down to their death. Guess what? You don't buy, you don't install, you don't get in Joe's elevators. You go with Billy Bob's. No regulation needed. So it behooves the business person. It behooves the entrepreneur to not have exploding cars or death trap elevators or or uh, hazardous food items or whatever. We don't need the alphabet soup, the FDA, the FAA. The It's just federal blah, 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 blah. We don't need them. Not to mention they're unconstitutional. All of them. Every stinking one of them is unconstitutional. This document 
spells out 30, 30 to 36 powers that were granted to the to the federal government. How on God's green earth do we need 440 agencies and departments to manage 30 to 36 federal powers? Not only that, Article 1 spells out that only Congress can make law. Okay, if the FDA makes a regulation, but there is a punishment if you don't follow that regulation, it's a freaking law. Yeah, and and the punishment is always governmental. I tell people this all the time. the The ATF, the what's another agency? It, it's pseudo law. It's the same as the law for them to say this is illegal, that's illegal through policy, through dictate, yeah. and they're unelected officials. People don't understand that. Dr. Fauci now, everybody knows his name. This man's been in the same position for decades. Mm-hmm. And um, truly, they haven't made they haven't made a lot of policy until COVID, but pick your administrative, executive agency, whatever you want to call them, and forget unenumerated powers. They just absorb them. Think about air travel. Air travel is my favorite one because it clearly didn't exist. There, there's no getting around it. Hey, guys, they didn't have planes when they, when they made the Constitution. So when you think about the authority that TSA executes or that the FAA execute, the, the authority that they just have over your lives, all of it is ill-gotten. Just like you said, it's illegal. It's unconstitutional. I agree. I've read the darn thing on a regular basis and I read through the Federalist on a regular basis. And every time I get to the states or the people, one of those two options, the FAA never appears or nope. the name your executive agency. So glad you said that. It's nuts. Well, there's, so, God, I, I was going to say the argument about our government you know, our world being different now than it was in 1787 when the Constitution was written. Um, I, I have two things. One is, is uh, oh, uh, Grover Cle- Cleveland? No, that's not right. Uh, president in, in 1926 at the 150th anniversary of, of his Independence Day speech spells out uh, some of the one of my favorite quotes, and it basically says that that uh, life, liberty, and pursuit of hot property and uh, inalienable rights given by God. If these things are final, then they're final. Any change, any progress after that isn't progress. It's regressive, reactionary, and the only way to go is backwards, not forward. And I love that. And I really want to shoot myself in the foot right now for for uh, brain freezing on on president's name. And it's a president I love. And it's one of those like highly underrated, the most underrated president ever. <sighs> uh, <laughs> anyway. Well, Garfield is certainly uh, a yeah. lesser, lesser known. Lesser. It's not the one. Yeah. Okay. Um, Never mind. You, I, know, I, you I had a second thing, but I don't remember what it was. Go ahead. Well, definitely. <laughs> we'll get to Second Amendment and Constitution, but when you dropped some numbers and it just sparked in my brain. And I got to ask you, because when President Obama came in the office, there were a thousand SES executives, senior executive service members. These are these are the chiefs of staff, deputy chiefs of staff, directors of these huge federal agencies, right? Uh, these 
really they're pseudo legislators because they just decide private meetings close off to the public and without truly without congressional oversight, they have congressional oversight for budget and truly without executive oversight because they remain as the executive switches out. So there were Mm -hmm. a thousand of them when he came in the office and when he left office, he added six Thousand. There wasn't a tremendous increase in agencies, but he added 6,000. And people don't realize how influential, impactful, dangerous that was, because essentially that's almost like adding a percentage. It's almost like adding a 6,000% increase in federal judges um, or a 6,000% increase in, in 6,000 math, 600% increase in... <laughs> in legislators, you know? And I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are because you're already tracking that these agencies have extraordinary power, virtually unchecked. Um, they're only checked when there's a 9-11 type event. And then it's which one of these directors are we going to, you know, throw under and, the bus. And then they're going to expand their overreach and their power and create things like the Patriot Act, which is being yeah. used now to keep people like American citizens who are have not yet been convicted of a crime in solitary confinement because of the great insurrection of January 6th or the selfie insurrection, as I've heard other people refer to it. Regardless of how you feel about the events of January 6th, whether you do think it was the worst insurrection, the biggest attack on our democracy since the Civil War, or whether you think it was a bunch of idiots that went inside of a building they shouldn't have to take selfies, whatever, you have to admit that the that the four dozen people that are being imprisoned in federal prison in Washington, D.C., on 23-hour-a-day solitary confinement who have not yet been convicted of a crime, have not yet had a trial, and don't even have a freaking trial date set yet, that should upset you. That should be, oh, my God, this can't happen in this country. It's just yeah. It violates like four of the Ten Amendments. But nobody's talking about it. That should be the headline of every newspaper and every news television show every day until those people are either convicted or released. Yeah, and I've heard – I didn't dig into this too much because – I'm so aware of how fake newsy that day was because one, and I've I've publicly said, I challenge people to be uncloseted conservatives, that sharing your opinion beliefs, no matter how unpopular and no matter how powerful the social pressure is at work or school or in religious circles or wherever. Uh, And I I put my money where my mouth is on that. And I had released a, a Twitter storm, my first tweet storm, I guess is what it's called, five or more tweets. Uh, but it was it was my account of January 6th. I live in Loudoun County, so that's just the next county over. Uh, so I went out with a group of friends, spent the whole day there, and it was, one, for you equity warriors out there, it was impossibly diverse. Every group, every marginalized group, there was a fill-in-the-blank for Trump, gays for Trump, Asians for Trump, women mm-hmm. for Trump, probably gay Asian women for Trump. There was probably a sign <laughs> and a group. Uh, and for white they were not doing a good job because they were a lot of brown, black, yellow, red. Every color of the rainbow was there, and the white supremacists just missed us. Yeah. And 
and the number, the number of people. And I, I really wanted to focus in on that because I tweeted out a 360 degree shot of people from the ellipse to well beyond the monument. It was an insane amount of people. You could fall asleep on your feet and the crowd would hold you up. <laughs> That's like basic training. So, exactly. So for a couple of <laughs> hundred people who, you know, do I agree where they let in? And there's, there's a whole lot of questions surrounding right. the circumstances. But when we've got the summer of love with actual terror groups causing $2 billion in damage, causing several thousand percent increase in crime. I'm not talking shoplifting. I'm talking violent crime, rape, mm -hmm. murder. There, I wasn't there, but I imagine that this is like a Vietnam style type of thing. This is, you know, this is where people are getting murdered and this is where sexual assault's happening. And those are the cops way down there. They're not allowed here because it's an autonomous zone. That's literal insurrection. Taking right. over sovereign land inside the United States. That's an insurrection. <laughs> That's the definition. All right. We all know that the only reason that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and the, the leftist media repeatedly used the word insurrection was because they want they knew they were going to impeach Trump. And if they impeached him for inciting insurrection, he can be barred from holding public office. That's the only way you can do that. Yeah. It's the yeah. only reason they kept saying it. Now, it bothers I'd me. Say that's the reason that they may have planned it. Some, we're, we're not saying I, that here. I'm not saying that, no. But, but it's FBI an interesting was thing. There. The FBI not. was there. <laughs> <laughs> but, no. but now, I mean, they, they kept referring to it as an armed insurrection. Really? An armed well, the, insurrection? The had guns. Hmm. How many guns were confiscated off of protesters slash demonstrators? Zero. How many people died at the event by gunfire? A one, a protester who was shot by a cop, supposedly. I'm not even convinced it was a cop. I, Private security, bodyguard, a congressman, I don't know. If you watch that video, they violated every freaking rule of gun safety, and no cop worth a pinch of salt would have done that. I agree. I agree. And, but man, let's, they, they've got to do all the special effects that they can to make that look like an insurrection. <laughs> and like, especially, I mean, come on, people. If you watch the news, the news that's got like, I think a 14% like popularity rate right now, and the news that if you pull up any of the, the crashes, 2008, you know, early 90s, early 1900s, pull up one of the crashes. And that's what the ratings and that's what the revenue of mainstream media looks like right now. I kid you not, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's oh, public yeah. information. So that trustworthy news, these are the same people that are recoloring people. They are messing with white balance and filters to make Meghan Markle look blacker because I thought that she'd always been a basic white girl, but apparently it turns out that she's, she's I, more I didn't know, than me. I didn't realize she was black until the media started telling me she was black. I'm like, really? Uh, okay. And these are the same people that when Middle Easterners attack black people, they, they alter the image to make them look white. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like the the truth is gonna get out that Muhammad Salim whomever is, <laughs> is not a white dude. Guys, the truth about January 6th, that's why hashtag Jan 6 truth is a thing because people are, people that were there are coming out of the closet about it now. Yeah. Hey, no, we were there and what you saw in the news was bullcrap. Now, I did pop smoke when I I smelled the unforgettable aroma of tear gas. I looked at my group and in full disclosure, they invited me kind of as the security guy. There was a group of people leaving at nine and there was an early train leaving at six. And they were like, hey, we want to go at six, but we want someone who knows how to navigate these huge crowds. And I said, ladies, and there were two guys in our group, I said, it's time for us to go. <laughs> uh, so, and, and our path was obscured. We tried to leave to get to the train and that's when they had found the RNC bomb, which was right. that We needed to go through there to get to the train. And uh, we were like, all right, yeah, we definitely need to go. And, and the cop there had some loose lips because he was like, yeah, it's a bomb. I was like, oh, yeah, let's go the <laughs> other way. <laughs> yeah. Wide but, berth around this block. Yeah, but... Guys, we have a responsibility as the rational being to discern, to look at information and discern, to reason to the root of things. And there's a difference between a a Democrat and a leftist, and you leftists are not discerning people. And that's what we're doing here. I I make that distinction probably not as often as I should. I, I look at progressives progressives are the problem. If you ask me, my personal opinion, I'm a constitutionalist, conservative, you know, cranky old white guy. So of course I think progressives are the problem. But I I try to clearly say, when I say progressives, I do not mean Democrat. I mean, I mean progressives, the ones that are pushing the agenda, the ones that have, have the, well, heck, it started in, 1890-ish, like the first progressive movement in this country, the ones that aren't happy with our constitution and want to progress beyond it. Those are the ones I have a problem with. And that's a big part of this whole thing. It's kind of like what the book here is. So simple, even a politician can understand. It's 18 or 20 ideas that I've had while hosting Liberty Lighthouse that are really just what it says. Really simple ideas. Politics does not need to be as complicated as we have allowed it to become. This is things that any idiot could read this book. I'm telling you, I'm a high school graduate. This book is probably written at like a 10th grade level. Anybody could read this. Anybody can understand that. Even a politician. And it's just ideas that like, look, just if you take this simple little idea here and it'll really take care of a big part of that problem over there. Yeah. Gustav Hulst, a classical composer, he he composed the planets. He said, uh, well, now that I started speaking, this may have been Brahms. Hulst or Brahms? I'm thinking Hulst, though. Uh, Said, kind of speaking about the small volume of music that he wrote, he said, I don't just write a piece because the idea's in my head. He said, I write the music when the thought of not writing it just overtakes him. It's just overbearing. So as an author, I have so many fringe ideas. of I've never written a book. What, what happened? What's going on in the world that made you get to the point where you're like, this book has got to come out. I've got to write this book. 
and tell us tell us a little bit about it and that journey. Well, let's let's back up to when I got involved in politics at all. It was about two years ago. I was one of those didn't really pay attention to politics other than you know cast my vote. I I got really really offended and upset when Virginia and New York removed the the uh, the time limits from abortions and and allowed abortion right up to the moment of birth and then you know governor northam in virginia pediatrician dr northam i might add saying about you know in the case of a botched abortion when a baby were to come out alive that they would keep the baby comfortable and we'll talk about what to do with it uh no you're a freaking doctor it's a human being freaking save it anyway that was the event that that actually got me first involved in politics. It's when I wrote my first book. It's progress, really. And after writing the book, I started to blog, and the blog was was actually going to be, you know, to try to get people to buy the book. And everybody at work and some of my kids kept saying, "Nah, nobody reads blogs anymore. You need to start a podcast." And I really didn't want to start a podcast, but eventually I started a podcast. Uh, the podcast is Liberty Lighthouse. A little less than a year after I started the podcast, I got picked up by the Mojo 50 Radio Network, and I'm now a Saturdays at 8 p.m. on Mojo 50 Radio. I was re- I was interviewing a guy named Cliff Oxford. Cliff Oxford wrote the book uh, the, the Rationale for the Trump Phenomena, something about the redneck reverie, and he's an on- entrepreneur and an author. And we were talking, and at some point during that conversation, I said our government just doesn't do simple anymore. And as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I went, well, that's a book that, that that's what it is. Like it doesn't do simple. It needs to do simple. We, the people need to make it do simple again. So I did not write the book thinking that any politician would read it, even though I have given it to all of my elected officials, my my state and federal senators and representatives have all gotten complimentary copies. I'm, I'm a mailman and one of them lives on my, lives on my route. So one of them got a copy shoved in their mailbox, but the rest of them got delivered to their offices. I don't expect any of them to read it. I want, I want voters to read this book and understand that politics is complicated simply for the for the sake of being complicated for the backroom deals and the shady pork and spend, the pork spending and the shady you scratch my back I scratch your back crap. And if they were to give that all up and actually want to fix we the people fix our country, they would have simple ideas like in this book. Not necessarily exactly the ideas in the book. Like I said, I'm high school educated. I'm not claiming to be brilliant enough to be able to solve the world's problems in a book like Jesse Waters. But if you just think in the simple ideas, simple one bill, one topic type ideas, we can get a lot more accomplished than than the 8,000-page omnibus spending bills and the 40,000 page IRS tax codes and the whatever. You know, there's a famous philosopher who's on, you know, in trouble right now, Dr. Seuss, controversial guy, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, Him and his sneeches. But I wouldn't sleep on high school educated people or people that are homeschooled or anything because, you know, he said it. And I think this is truly a reason 
that people, certain people want to get rid of Dr. Seuss because Dr. Seuss is a philosopher. And uh, yeah, but he said sometimes the, the problems, the questions are complicated, but the answers are simple. Yeah. Uh, and it's a simple solution. I went to the hardware store recently, had to get a new hammer. And imagine my surprise when I found out that hammers don't cost $500. I what? was relieved. I, you obviously I, I don't was, work for the federal government. I was expecting something different, um, but there are some simple problems. <laughs> There's some simple ways to solve those problems, and and it's unfortunate because people can't get past the orange man bad. People can't get past the rhetoric, uh, but Donald Trump was doing an excellent job solving a lot of those problems. Deregulation, oh my goodness. That's huge. People, People don't even know over a hundred thousand pages uh, in the federal regulation. Um, what is it called? Register, registry, registrar, whatever the the federal regulation book. Um, and he, man, he slashed it. That's well, one, what caused I, the booming economy, folks. Yeah, that definitely is what caused the booming economy. And I'm going to tell you, one of the ideas that's in this book. There's a couple of them in here that aren't mine. Some of them are ideas that came from hosts of the show. And some of them are actually bills already sitting in Congress that have been sitting there for who knows how long. Uh, one of them I'm going to tell because I think that this particular idea, this particular bill that's already in Congress would do more to save our republic than anything since George Washington. I'm on the edge of my seat now. H.R. <laughs> 46, one bill, one topic, Transparency Act. It's just what it sounds like. You can't add amendments to a bill that don't have anything to do with that bill. You you can't. Every bill has to contain one topic, and the title of that bill has to accurately describe the purpose of the bill. That's it. Think, think about how much transparency that would add to our government if every bill that went through only dealt with one topic. I want, I'm not familiar with the bill, but I'm going to have to look it up now. I actually wrote in some, some letters. I highly recommend people write in to your legislators from county to state. Okay. That's where it matters. But um, I, I wrote in to some of them and a, a lot of Loudoun County residents have been actively engaged in the process uh, to propose legislation in Virginia Along those lines, that would just limit the pages to a bill to something like 20. Um, for the purpose being that bills are supposed to be approachable for the layperson and the obscurity of these 100-page bills, 100-page-plus bills, they know people don't have time. Some people, right. frankly, don't have the reading capability, you know, um, but right. limiting it. And we, we talk about concise and clear communication. If you can't do what the title of the bill is in 20 pages, then you're filling it with something that doesn't belong there. I um, think you're being too generous, personally. My, my thought has always been, and I, I didn't put this one in the book because I thought this was a little too far. Believe it or not, I tried not to be a cranky conservative white guy when I wrote this book. <laughs> It's really hard for me, but um, <laughs> I, I wrote the book with the idea. Like I said, I don't, I don't care if you're liberal, progressive, Democrat, constitutionalist, libertarian. And by the way, I'm not a Republican. I'm, a, I'm registered to the Constitution Party. I'm a constitutionalist in more ways than one. 
Anyway, I don't care what party you belong to. I don't care what your political beliefs are. You should be able to pre to present simple ideas that don't take up 8,000 pages. Our Constitution, which lays out the framework of our country and defines what powers each of the four branches have, who, how they get their jobs, all of that is spelled out in less than 5,000 words, 4,500-ish. I don't think the federal government should be allowed to pass a law that's more than 4,500 words long. I am one of those people, I'm an unabashed Christian, and I'm one of those people that says the United States government was built on this framework of this Judeo-Christian framework. Yeah. God sent the law down on two pages, people, the law <laughs> for living life. Right. Good and virtuous life. Two pages, I don't even know how many words, probably less than 200 <laughs> words. <laughs> Uh, so I am right there with you, brother. I, I Like I said, we're preaching the same gospel. It's uh, And yeah, 20 pages is a lot. Um, I'm thinking I get through 20 pages pretty quickly. But I, listener, I challenge you, pull up a bill, pick a bill that's on the floor right now, just pick one out of a hat, and look at how ridiculous it is, all of the stuff that's in it, and what it's called, like Peter mentioned, because it's always called something like the Kindness and Cuddle Bear Act or something. <laughs> and it's like, oh, what is this about? Expanding abortion rights to nine months. Like, what? <laughs> and it's it's always this, this bull crap, this political game uh -huh. bull crap, or the, the We the People, or the, the For the Prosperity of the Union Act, and it's like, oh, how could you be against the prosperity of the union? That's not what's in the bill. Right. The Stop George Floyd by its cover. Yeah, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. There's no justice in that bill. There's nothing but cuts and federal takeover of, of local law enforcement. Yeah. That's not what it is. The that For the People Act. Not accurately the for the called people. the fascism bill federalizing yeah. law enforcement. Right, right. The For the People Act. As, that's not for the people. It's for the Democrats. It's it. The worst thing, and this this isn't getting enough. So the For the People Act is is the uh, the voter integrity bill where they want to federalize all voter law. Basically, they want to uh, eliminate voter ID everywhere. Um, and mandate drop boxes and mandate early voting and mandate that no excuse mail-in ballots in every state from the federal level. The one thing that's even worse than all of that, that is not getting enough media coverage, the election, what's it called? The, the, the board, the, um, the election board in Washington, DC, I can't think the official title of it. It's uh, it's six members, three Democrats, three Republicans, the For the People Act changes it to five, meaning the party with power <laughs> controls the election board. Wow. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's wow. probably the worst part about it, and nobody talks about that. Well, this is why Ted Cruz and Rand Paul, this is why they're not being hyperbolic when they say, if you and if Schumer comes out and says it as old and squishy as he is, when when he throws the the warning flare on the road, pay attention. This is why they say if you pass this, you will never see a Republican in 
in power, in any power of substance again. This will become a one-party system. It is. And for you history buffs, one-party systems have worked exactly no time, zero, never happened. It's always been bearing down on the people from all of time, from the garden Wait. until the end of time. That's how one party goes. Cuba's a one-party system. How's that working out today? Just like it <laughs> did in Venezuela or USSR, yeah, right. China, <laughs> Cambodia. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's and, not sustainable. Yeah. You know, for all the black people out there, not African-Americans, unless you're from Africa, and three of the four African-Americans I know are white. Thank you for that. You know... Uh, <laughs> it's it's hard to find a black person from Africa. Rabbit trail. Right now, today, for you history buffs, right now, today, we've crossed the threshold where more Africans from Africa, not the white Africans, more black Africans from Africa have immigrated to the United States than were brought here in, in chains and slavery, which is incredible that they're coming to this white supremacist land. It, it's I amazing. Know. Just just it's like horrible. Cubans are swimming. Uh, 70 miles. Yeah. You know, and that's point to point. You don't right. go point to point because that's no. where the patrol is. A lot of them 90 plus miles. Yeah. To get to racist USA. <laughs> like, come on, people, wake up. But the nations in Africa which if you're one of these woke divists, that's all African-American this, and you wear your dashiki and you have the flag. I, I challenge you to tell me how many nations there are in Africa. Tell me the capital cities of three of the fill-in-the-blank number of nations because I'm not going to answer it for you. Uh, just name three capital cities from any of the nations in Africa. And if you could, maybe of any of those nations, just a significant tribe in any of those nations. Now, you well, you had, you had me up until tribe. I, yeah, I, I, I was, I was there. I was, I had three. Don't ask me not, for four. You're not even black. Had three. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my woke to this test that I know I'm uniquely positioned to challenge other black people because I'm black. Uh, but what? that's the, that's the challenge guys. Can, can you please tell me because the motherland that you love so much that it's really affordable you could move there today and you would be very wealthy <laughs> if you did. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, this Jesse Jackson bull crap about black Americans need to have a connection to the motherland. What? No, we're, well, we're here's, not connected. Here's, I, now I'm a white guy and I'm not allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yes. My problem with the term, African-American has always been that I'm Italian-American, right? First off, Italy is a country, not a continent. Second, I am the last generation in my family allowed to call myself Italian-American. According to the U.S. Census, you get three generations. After three, you're just American. So yeah. all of my black friends trace back three generations. Are you in Africa American. yet? If you're not, you're American. Drop it. You can be black. You can be a black American. And personally, I prefer to refer to to, to anybody. If you're going to sub, if you're going to subdivide us as a people, uh, uh, the American people, I prefer you put American first. American Italian, American Black, American Jew, American whatever, rather than the other way around. You know, we're, the, the craziest thing is. 
I agree. I think it's more salient to even refer to someone by a state. I know more about someone if they say I'm, you know, a black American or white American, a Polish American or any, which it actually does stuff. Like if you're Polish American or, you know, then usually there was an actual immigration that took place. Africa, as you mentioned, is a continent with many countries that I know black people cannot name, describe, point out on a map. But anyway, I digress. Uh, I, I know more about people when they say what state they're from. You know, generally, or about your town or your um, a major city, a major city, metropolitan area that you're from. That information is more telling than anything else. But even so, this is going to shock some of you because you're racist and you don't realize you are. But even so, to actually learn about a person, you have to do something strange and talk to the person. Uh, you can't tell anything about me because I'm black. Or if I told you that I'm from New York City area of New York, you couldn't tell anything about me from that. Or if I said, hey, I'm six foot one, you can't tell anything about someone. I can't tell anything about Peter because he's white or he has a beard or... He was in the Navy, other than he doesn't know how to pick branches. That's it. I there like Bill no, Bottoms. These, <laughs> these immutable <laughs> characteristics don't reveal anything other than just that. In the cosmic chance, I drew brown skin. He drew, I, we say white, whatever, peachish, peachish, flesh-colored skin. I'm kind of olive, but this is bad lighting. You can't no. see it. That's all. I don't remember what comedian it was, but there was somebody the one time it was like racism is stupid. It's like, give me 10 minutes with somebody. I can come up with five reasons to hate them other than their skin color. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) We've we've grown lazy. We just, we just, ah, I hate him because he's a man or, you know, straight or uh, basically anything that you'd describe as normal. There's definitely an assault on norms. You know, what's the term? Heteronormative something, something, something. Normal. Yeah, it just means normal. Just, (laughs) oh, so not strange, not an outlier. I mean, let's be real. And this is another rabbit trail, but a significant portion of the population is not gay people. All right. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine if it's 6% or whatever. That's fine. That's, that's, that's 6%. That's fixing 100 people. I don't care if it's 50%. My problem has always been do what we, whatever the heck you want to do in your own bedroom. It's not my job to judge. But when you have children twerking on the sidewalk for your gay pride parade, that's a problem. Yeah. When you have, have you know, the, what the, the story hour thing, the drag queen story drag hour, queen and story you bring hour. a stripper pole into the library, that's a problem. And to say to us, if we take offense, if we think there's something wrong, it's because we're racist, fascist. No, it's because I I don't want my kids seeing that. Yeah. Do what you want to do in your own bedroom. You don't have to know. I've got a wife upstairs. (gasps) But, I mean, (laughs) you don't have to know these things. I don't need to know... I've known many gay people in my life, many of which I didn't know they were gay until they told me. And I'm fine with that. Yep, nothing's changed. It's interesting how 
perception is my my best friend, best man at my wedding, uh, just kind of broke contact with me. Hadn't talked for years. Like, oh, this is weird. And it turns out that he came out as gay, moved to California, whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, why don't you talk to me? We've been friends since childhood. Like, I don't care. I've noticed that you've dated, I think he dated one girl his entire life. Uh, not for a significant period, you know, just one girl once back in grade school. And it's like, okay, either you're one of those people that has no interest. Gay. Yeah. Yeah. Or you probably gave, we didn't need to be, you know, sociologists to figure this out. Right. Um, you know, uh, one of his parents is gay. And anyway, just broke contact. I hardly speak to him, uh, message him a few times. It's you guys are self-fulfilling prophesying your, yourselves. That is probably a double negative or something in there. We're not saying that we take issue with it. We're saying that it's insignificant to us. It's not the point of conversation. Just like, Peter and I don't sit around and talk about our sexuality with our wives or any of that stuff. This isn't the basis of relationship. And I hate to say, hey, guys, we said this would happen. But when you have teenage girls walking around topless in a men's locker room, that's a problem. That yes. You can feel like a man. You can whatever. Uh Not if, but when one of these actual biological men, bigger, stronger, faster etc. Something bad is going to happen to women who do regardless of what you call yourself. You're walking around displaying child pornography. You remember when that used to be like the lowest form of criminal was like a pedophile or child pornography. Right. Now they're trying to normalize it. They're trying to say, oh, it's just a sexual preference. The hell it is. Yeah. 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 Man, we started on like constitution and guns and I don't know how we got here, but uh, yeah, well, there's an assault on normalcy. Yes, there is. You you were saying something? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah, there there is an assault on normalcy, and and if you have you read the Communist Manifesto recently? No, not recently. You need to. No, you, you, I'm seriously. Everybody, everybody out there in podcast land, read oh. the Communist Manifesto again. Yeah, you it's, you. You read it again, and you will see so many parallels. Same and thing with it, 1984. Oh, that's one of my favorites. White Rage, or um, Buddy of Mine's just finished Critical Race Theory. I think he's going to let me borrow the book, the actual book, Critical Race Theory. Uh, but the Communist Manifesto is interesting in that it spells out a 10-step process for taking over a country. And you read those steps and you're like, well, we did that a hundred years ago. Well, shit, we did that 50. Damn, we're working on that right now. Yep. They're all there. Why are we allowing it to happen? Like, how, how are more people not going, uh, hmm. If you, okay, so Marx was all about financial class, you know, the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. Get rid of that. Think of every other division in our country. Marx and Engels in the Communist Manifesto, it was all about money and social class. But now it's your skin color is the division, is the dividing line, or it's the Democrat-Republican dividing line, or it's, it's every time you turn around, somebody's trying to divide us up. 
because our government fears we the people uniting as we the people more than anything else. If we, if conservatives and liberals and Democrats and Republicans were to all sit down and realize that we probably have 80 to 90% of the same values, we just keep fighting over the 10 or 20%. If we realize we have that much in common and realize that it's the government and the politicians that are causing the division, (laughs) they're in trouble. And they know that, so they keep us divided. Yeah, you know, I I describe it this way. We've all seen, maybe we've done it ourselves, you can have a sweater, you can have a garment of some kind, and there's a fray, there's a loose thread, and you can pull that thread and you can take apart the whole garment, right? Fascism, socialism, they're actually both vessels that move to, Marx himself even knew and opined this, they're actually temporary vehicles leading to communism. It's, It's the inevitable end of either of those political ideologies. The aim of fascist, Marxist, communist, socialist, doesn't matter. They're all the extreme progressive left. Basic political ideology, let's just call them the same thing. The aim is if we change the rules of the sweater thing to pull any thread to, you have to pull exactly the right thread. And if you get the right thread, you can unravel the garment. That's what they're doing. In this area, it was bourgeoisie. In this area, it was a caste system. In this area, it was producers. It was haves and have-nots. It was whatever. Mm -hmm. In this area, the United States, the thread to pull on, they can pull on basically, it used to be two threads. It used to be you could pull on the racial thread because of our history with slavery. And for whatever reason that we haven't gotten over, one of the shortest periods of slavery, 12 million slaves in the trade, 330 million came here. There's a lot. Or, uh, <laughs> 3.3 3. 3 million came here. There's a whole lot missing, you know. Mm-hmm. 5 million went to Brazil. Which, well, there's all... There's roughly 195 countries in the world right now. Yeah. And roughly 160 of them allow slavery. Yeah. But we're the racists. Yeah. (laughs) I challenge people, find a non-agrarian society that was built without slavery. Agrarian societies. Just look outside of America before you open your mouth. Oh, America's so racist. They had slavery 200 years ago. Um, Thailand has slavery now. Why don't you do something about that? <laughs> but these, a, a radical leftist, a progressive leftist, it's all about pulling on the right thread and and do exactly what you said. Man, I do, I guess I do need to reread the Communist Manifesto. All right, I don't know how, but this interview time has flown by. Uh, we didn't even get to 2A stuff. We're going to have to have you back. I'm such a fun guest. <laughs> But I got to ask you, you can't choose your own. You can't choose your own. It's a given, guys, you know, buy, buy Peter's book. It's there for you on the screen. If you're listening, type this into the internet or if you're on Amazon. I hate to plug it Actually, wait. Actually, don't go to Amazon to do it. Oh. I, I switched print companies. And Amazon, for some reason, still has the old print company up there. I, I, I was on pre-order. I had people pre-ordering the book, and like 12 days after the launch, they were like, oh, I still haven't got my book oh, yet. you just talked about this. I so I say. dropped one print company, and I switched to another print company. Don't do a search in Amazon for so simple even a politician can understand. It won't show up. You'll get the wrong one. Go to liberty-lighthouse.com. 
and go to the books tab. And from there, there's the link to get it. You can get it in print book for $7.99, you know, regular old paperback, $7.99, audiobook or ebook for $2.99. And you know, you can you can still get it through Barnes and Noble and a bunch of other places too. Um, but yeah, don't just do an Amazon search. You won't find it. I mean, you'll find it, but you'll order one that will never come. And you were going to ask me, I'm not allowed to pick my own book, but. <laughs> I see the mouse moving around, but I don't hear you anymore. I hey, removed myself from the stream, folks. You didn't hear that anything was interesting. that I just said. Nope, not at all. My goldfish brain, I just like an hour ago listened to your most recent episode and you were talking about the publisher thing and it just went right out of my brain. Uh, but here's here's the site. Uh, there's the man. You can thank him for his service and you can thank him even more by buying his book. Uh, if you're listening, guys, that book is so simple, even a politician can do it. Uh, by Peter Serafine, not Serafin, Serafine. Uh, look, man, I'm getting it. I get better with time. <laughs> but you can't think your own book, right? You can snap your fingers and everyone on earth has read and understands one book. And I mean, they really understand it. Uh, what would you choose and why? Well, part of me wants to say the Bible just because, you know, it's the Bible. Um but that's I, the that's the one rule. I stopped asking the question this way. It used to be aside from a prescriptive religious text. So the Quran's okay. out, the Bible's out, and and but I was all Christians say, you know, pick the Bible, all Mormons pick the Book of Mormon, all Muslims yeah, pick the Quran. But I, you know, I've read the Bible a couple times, cover to cover, and I still don't understand it. So I'm, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I would say 1984, Orwell's 19, or maybe even Animal Farm, or. Oh, no, Animal Farm. In the world that we live in today, Animal Farm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's I mean, come on. It, it, it ends with the line, all animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. Hello? <laughs> yeah. Are you seeing the parallels, people? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. If you're not seeing them, I, I've talked about it on my show. Go back to liberty-lighthouse.com and scroll back down. You'll find a couple of Orwellian episodes where I've talked about them, like chapter by chapter. <laughs> the parallels to today, is, it's sad. Well, we've had a couple of guests pick 1984, which is an awesome book, but you are the first for Animal Farm, good sir. Couldn't agree more. Peter, thanks so much for coming on the show. Tell people where they can get in touch with you, and you will have the last word. Hey, well, uh, my show, Liberty Lighthouse, Saturdays at 8 p.m. on Mojo 50 Radio. That's M-O-J-O 50.com. Uh, Liberty-Lighthouse.com is my website. From there, you can uh, message me. You can listen to my Liberty Lighthouse. You can also listen to the Liberty Minute, which is weekday mornings, one-minute news headlines with my own personal snarky comments added to them every Monday through Friday. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show. Thank you.